Hello and welcome, true crime fans. If you didn't already know, this is Champagne and Murder, Please, and I'm Brittany. I have a bonus episode for you today. It's short but spooky, so let's get into it. Have you ever wondered if ghosts are real or not? The case I have for you today may help you make up your mind. The case I have for you today is about Teresita Bassa. My sources are unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com and allthatsinteresting.com. Teresita Bassa was an immigrant from the Philippines who was found mysteriously murdered in her Chicago apartment in 1977. But then, her ghost tipped detectives off to her killer's identity. The brutal murder of Teresita Bassa went unsolved, baffling Chicago police for years. From the day she was killed in 1977, Chicago area police were stumped by the crime that seemed to have no motive, no leads, and no chance of being solved. But five months after her murder, an unlikely ally came forward, claiming to have information about the young Filipina immigrant's death. A surgeon, Dr. Jose Chua, claimed that his wife, Remy, who also worked as a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital, had been possessed on three occasions by Teresita Bassa. He said while his wife was possessed, she appeared to be in a trance and was speaking in Bassa's native tongue, Tagalog, a language she was familiar with but rarely spoke. Doctor, I would like to ask for your help, were her first words. The man who murdered me is still at large. Dr. Chua didn't know what to think. I was really surprised and scared when I asked her name and she answered, I am Teresita Bassa. He later told a pretrial hearing, but she told me I had nothing to be scared of. She was really pleading for me to help solve her murder. Dr. Chua said, while Bassa possessed his wife, she claimed she had been murdered by a man called Alan Showery who repaired her TV but then stabbed her and stole her jewelry. Their information proved correct and valuable. Alan Showery, a co-worker of Bassa's, was ultimately tried and convicted for the crime. On the surface, the murder of Teresita Bassa was largely unremarkable, though no less tragic for her friends and family. But what made this story remarkable was how Bassa's husband and the family friend came to find out about Showery's guilt. Born in 1929 in the Philippines, Teresita Bassa came to the United States in the 1960s in the hopes of earning a better life. Initially becoming, coming to the States to study music, she ultimately became a respiratory therapist where she worked at Edgewater Hospital. The facility, which was located just outside of Chicago, Illinois, once boasted Frank Sinatra as a patient and was the birthplace of serial killer John Wayne Gacy and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Teresita Bassa led a quiet and unassuming life. She was pursuing a master's degree in music and would frequently give out complimentary piano lessons to neighborhood children. She enjoyed a relatively quiet life with her husband Joe when she wasn't working or studying for her master's degree. On February 21, 1977, Ruth Loeb phoned Teresita and they chatted for about 30 minutes. Loeb would later testify that Teresita was expecting a friend to come over but she didn't give any further details about who he was or the purpose of his visit. An hour after Loeb last spoke to Teresita, the fire department was called to her apartment after neighbors complained of smelling smoke in the area. Firefighters ultimately discovered Teresita Bassa naked and buried under a mattress with a knife protruding from her chest. Investigators ultimately determined that despite initial appearances, Teresita wasn't a victim of sexual assault, and there was no physical evidence to lead police to her potential murderer. For five months, police had no leads and no idea who could possibly want Teresita Bassa dead. However, 
Six months after she was murdered, the Washington Post reported that Dr. Jose C. Chua Jr., who was a co-worker of Bassa's, claimed his wife, Remy, was having visions about Teresita's murders. I talked to pimps, prostitutes, drug addicts in the Belmont area, Detective Statula said in the book Mysterious Chicago, History at Its Coolest by Adam Selzer. Dr. and Mrs. Chua are educated, intelligent people who live in a $90,000 house, a distinct change for me. I wanted information on this murder. I listened and acted on what they told me. Showery was known to Chua and to Basa. He worked as a respiratory technician at the same hospital where both Chua and Basa were respiratory therapists. Showery had been in a difficult financial situation, and Basa had been helping him out by paying him generously to do small jobs for her. The detectives went to Showery's apartment, which he shared with his pregnant partner, Yanka Kalmuk. They found Kalmuk to have a pearl ring and a jade pendant that had belonged to Basa. She said Showery had given her the jewelry as a late Christmas present. Showery initially denied killing Basa, but after being taken to the police station, he signed a confession. He said he had visited Basa at her home, attacked her, stolen the jewelry, and lit the fire before leaving. According to the book Teresita, A Voice from the Grave, Bassa's ghost pointed the finger at Alan Showery, although Showery initially tried to get the case against him thrown out because all the evidence came from the great beyond. Police testified that Showery went quietly with investigators when he was first suspected in the murder, almost as a tacit acknowledgement of his guilt. But later, Showery retracted his confession, saying police had threatened to arrest the pregnant Kalmuk if he didn't confess. His lawyer, William Swano, called for the murder charge to be dismissed, saying police had arrested him on nothing more than Chua's bizarre story. Never to my knowledge has a man been arrested because of a supernatural vision, Swano said. Police have never been informed of the criminal's name by a voice from beyond the grave before, but the judge decided the trial should go ahead. It's not like we're going to cross-examine the voice or anything of that nature, a spokesperson for the prosecutor's office told the Washington Post. We're really not interested in the supernatural aspect of this trial. The voice was an initial tip, but the evidence was developed independently. The trial received huge publicity with headlines like, Did a voice from the grave finger murder suspect? It ended in a mistrial with a deadlocked jury. After the initial mistrial, Showery ultimately decided to plead guilty to the crime on February 23, 1979, and was sentenced to 14 years in prison for his crime. He was ultimately let out on parole in 1983. The evidence suggests he returned to New York City shortly after he was released. And before you go, if you like this podcast, please consider leaving a review and a five-star rating. And if you have any stories for us that you would like to tell us or stories you would like us to cover, our email is champagneandmurderplease at gmail.com. Bye. Tune in later this week when Mark will be back and we'll be telling you two awesomely awful stories. <laughs>